if you're not close to the product, like from the engineering side, you might not even know what the product's capable of. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Lit PM, a podcast all about providing you the most raw content from the world of product management and tech. Product management is definitely a glorified career path that has been made super ambiguous looking from the outside. We're here to break down those barriers. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with the homie Paul, who recently transitioned internally to become the first product manager at Kepler Communication. Kepler is a technology company with the mission to bring the internet to space, aka providing real-time communication to other satellites, base stations, launch vehicles, habitat, and any other space-borne asset. Damn, that is a wildin' product. Paul walks us through his story from the beginning. As someone passionate about the space industry, to joining Kepler as a satellite operations engineer, and finally transitioning to become the first product manager. We talked through his role as a satellite ops engineer and how he leveraged those skills he developed there to make the transition into product. We also talked through his responsibilities as the founding product manager and some of the challenges that he had to go through. We spent quite a long time speaking about working with engineers and inspiring engineers. And finally, we closed out with Paul's opinion on how to most effectively level up as a product manager. Hope y'all enjoy this episode. You're currently a product manager at Kepler. Yes, sir. Kepler Communications. Can you give me like a quick brief of what Kepler does? Sure. Kepler is currently trying to put the internet in space through the means of satellites that are about the size of a shoebox. And the way we're going about it is through the multiple products. And so one of the products offering right now is, is something called Global Data Service. And it's basically a, think of it as a store and forward, like a Dropbox in space. You plop your file on our satellite and we can put it to wherever you want. So you can be, you know, in the Arctic or in the South Pole. And if you need to move lots of data, you can move it through our network right now. Mm, as opposed to moving it through the internet on earth which is a lot slower i'm guessing well the internet on earth doesn't doesn't go everywhere right so it's like there's certain areas in the world where the internet on the, the internet that we're currently using is just not accessible and so and so but what we're providing like right now that global data service product it's not it's not even the internet it's it's a file transfer like it's it's really just you plop a file somewhere like let's just say you're a researcher and you want to go do some research in the Arctic and you need to move lots of data back to your lab. Right now, the way that they, they usually do it is either they have helicopters come pick up hard drives that exist on the boat, or they wait until the end of the mission and then they bring all the data back to shore and then they do the analysis afterwards. So the, the plan with Google Data Service is to use their satellite network to move that data back to their lab so they can do it in parallel. Like they, they sample the data, they send it back to their lab and that way they can in parallel do analysis. Right. Wow. Okay. That's, it sounds like a pretty like unique use case for like a very further out, like a remote rural place for now, at least. Right. Yeah. For now, like global data service is really just, it's a product that, you know, we're kind of using the network to, to create this product. But as I said, like the ultimate goal is to create the internet in space. And that isn't to be mistaken with what sort of Starlink is doing where they're, they're, they're trying to bring the internet to earth from space. Like putting the internet in space means that you're allowing other satellites to connect to your network in space. Other satellites or the International Space Station or, I don't know, if you go to the moon one day or Mars, it's, it's a way of interconnecting space assets that are orbiting in, there in space. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Let's start from the beginning. You, start, you study electrical engineering and 
how did you make your way to Kepler and how did you become a product manager? We can start from the very beginning of like, you know, what interested you and then how did you hear about product management? Let's start there. Okay, so I mean, I went to McGill University, just like yourself. Um, at McGill, I, I was mostly interested in the practical aspect of engineering, which is basically, you know, through the means of design teams, um, where the design team is a team of students, in, undergrad students that are building something and it's extracurricular. You don't get any credits for it. It's on your own time. It's kind of like if you're a part of a sports team. And when I was at McGill, I was part of, first I was part of the robotics team where we, we designed and built sort of various different kinds of robots. And towards the end of my degree, there was kind of this revolution of in the space industry and people are called, people call it like space 2.0, new space, which is basically the, the ability to bring these huge satellites, which were traditional space, I mean, space industry satellites and bring them down to satellites about the size of a, of a, of a shoebox, kind of what I was saying. Right. And so that's creating like a completely different economy, space economy, one that can reach space more frequently, less risk. And so I, I started the, the, like a design team at McGill where the idea was to practice, you know, use this new wave of space innovation to build satellites, like students build satellites, right? And so that got me into the small space, small sat kind of game. Um, and then after undergrad, I was like, uh, I'd like to go learn more about this stuff. And there was basically one lab in Canada that really focused on small sats, and that was the Space Flight Laboratory in Toronto, at the University of Toronto. So I went there um, after undergrad for a year. I worked there for a year. Um, and then I kind of saw an opportunity to apply to Kepler, which was exactly that. It was using small satellites, part of that Space 2.0 new space revolution. It was going to be using the new space economy. And so you know, I, I see a future there. And so I joined Kepler Communications as a satellite operations engineer. A satellite operations engineer is basically think of it as like uh, I was commanding the satellites that were on orbit. If there was some sort of issue with a satellite, I had to, to handle it. If the, if we wanted the satellite to do something to point to somewhere, I had to to handle it. If if we had a conjunction, so say, and you know, we're told that in three or four days we're, we're in a collision course with another satellite, I had to drag the satellite to make sure that we don't collide or to reduce the probability of collision. So all those things were satellite operations things. And and to be honest, I was, there was always in the back of my mind, something lacking with that job. Like, like I loved it. I thought it was a very interesting job, but it basically uses problem solving under pressure. That's like the skill. I think that that role really uses, but I always felt like, you know, in undergrad, I started teams. I started, I, I had a, a little startup. There was something lacking in that job where I felt like I was using, you know, a very small portion of my skill set. And I, I, I mean, I had done a lot of research on what could use my skill set at this point in time. And I really fell into this product thing. And I, I thought that was a really cool. It was a perfect opportunity for me to use more than just, you know, problem solving under fire or coding or whatever. Right? Sounds okay. First of all, that's that's pretty intense. Uh, I've never talked to a product manager in the space industry, so I think maybe there's a little bit to be said there. But first of all, I just want to clarify one thing, which is when you mentioned you had to, like, as a satellite operations specialist or, or operations person, 
-hmm. How did you maneuver the satellites in those circumstances? Like, was the job more technical where you had to write code or what did you have to do there? So in the particular case of, of the conjunction thing, it's, it's really, you're sending commands. So our, our satellites don't have thrusters, right? So we can't just send a command and move the satellite through the means of thrust. So what you do is you kind of, you put it in orientation where there is an increased drag. So because you're in lower Earth, Earth um, orbit, you actually do sense a bit of drag. And so you just put the face of the satellite, the largest face of the satellite, uh, towards the towards motion, I suppose, and that creates drag, and so um, it changes the it changes the attitude, I suppose, and and so the probability of colliding with another satellite. All of satellite operations engineering is basically commanding satellites using hex, using binary. Um, Got it. But you have to probably do some like kinematics calculations of like the angles and shit to turn it at, and like all that. No, like the math behind it. The math is already implemented in the control system, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Right? Okay, so if, okay. you tell, if you tell the satellite, hey, I want you to point to some specific location on Earth, it has, a, it has already a control system in, in, you know, already on, on the satellite. It says, okay, I know where the sun is, so it can orient itself. It knows where it is in space. And then it's a matter of, well, okay, I need to apply this rotation to get to, to that angle. Got it. Basically, at this point, what I want to know is what skills, what skill sets you had as a satellite operations person, and what the gaps you felt were that made you think about product management in the space industry, and specifically for what we're doing. It's kind of like the final gate before the customer, right? Like you're taking all of the things that the engineering team has worked on, be it on the satellite technology or on the payload technology or all that stuff. And you, you are that last gate. You are delivering whatever service. You are beaming to a specific location. So you're the person like really giving the service to the customer. So the part that I, I felt like I had was I fully understood how, I mean, orbits worked and how our satellites worked and what the shortcomings were. And where when we, we didn't point to a customer or when we weren't successful in a specific path, I understood the why behind it, right? And so that that is what I could bring to the product realm at Kepler before um, I was I was there not to mention that I there is no other product manager at Kepler at this point mm. um, and and so when I started it was we, we were very much like a, we are very much a tech forward kind of company where we just want to push technology as fast as possible into the hands of customers mm. and so there wasn't a mindset of product just yet right and so I saw an opportunity to use what I had learned in undergrad actually through you know starting these little companies and all the knowledge I'd gained from how satellites work, which is something you need to understand if you're going to sell the product mm -hmm. that Kepler wants to deliver. And I thought those two married quite well together. Right, so how did you hear about like products? How did you know it was like for you? You know, I think it might've been you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Respect. Uh, I, I can't quite remember. Well, so, okay. There's a few things. So I had heard about it quite often from, from you and from others. Um, and I didn't really totally understand what it was until Kepler posted actually as a job posting a product manager role. Oh, and so they posted a job product manager role. Yeah. Yeah. They, they okay. posted a pro yeah they, pro they posted a product manager role and I saw, I saw it and I was like, wow, this is everything that was on that list. I was like, this is precisely what I'd like to to do for Kepler. And so I, at the time I talked to the CTO 
And he was, and this is where Kepler's amazing, honestly, as a company is like, they're very good at listening to their employees and kind of seeing where maybe you could be shifted and, you know, put in a position that you're even more uh, excited. And so at the time, his name's Wen, CTO, he kind of, he listened to me and he's like, this is great. Let's start, you know, a transition plan. And it was kind of like a year of doing two jobs at once almost. So I was doing satellite operations, but I was also um, like he was putting me on customer projects. So I, I, now I was getting the second link. So right, so I, I talked about like, I understood the engineering quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, I got put on a project that made me understand the engineering, but also connect directly with a customer. So talk to the customer mm. directly. Um, and then, and the, you know, and slowly I like developed the skill of like understanding customer, listening to customer, bringing that back to the business development team. Like, here's what mm. customer's saying about the product. Um, so there was, it was a really great transition. I mean, it, it was a lot of work cause it was like two jobs at once, but it was worth right. it. Right. Right. So I guess like, I mean, obviously part of it is couplers culture. Part of it is your CTO is probably like a cool, cool person, but I think a huge part of it is your pitch and your initial skill set that convinced him to let you do this transition, right? Because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are interested in how to transition internally into product management. Right. So how did you go about convincing your leadership that that you were the right person for this role as opposed to hiring someone cool. experienced so, externally? So for me, like this is, and this is the advice I give to any anybody, like any friend, to me, it comes down to like the value of working hard and just almost doing it before they even think it's possible for you to do it. Like, so mm. the, actually the example is before I even told the CTO that I wanted to do product, there was this, this little project that was, it was with a company and it was, and it was still in the realm of silent operations, but I saw this opportunity to take all of the work that we were doing for this specific company and putting it into a, a dashboard, but like an interactive dashboard for the customer so that mm-hmm. they could directly see what our service was doing really visually. Like it was actually, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, it's like the, the Google data studio thing. It's a, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so I, I, I like, I worked uh, on that kind of like, off hours. And at some point I just kind of dropped it on their lap saying, Hey, like you guys can use this. And I think mm-hmm. that that changed completely the way that they saw my capabilities. Like it went from, okay, this guy's commanding our satellites to this guy's commanding our satellites. I think they saw it as like, I can think further than just delivering the service. You know, I'm not just saying like, Hey, here's the service right. and that's right. it. It was like, here's the service and let's make sure that the customer is really enjoying the service and, and let's be transparent with like how things are going. And so that really changed everything. And at that point um, mm-hmm. I was, I, I, but I put more effort in everything, you know, like preparing a presentation. I didn't just slap a deck with like white background. I made sure that it was, it looked professional, that it was something that we were willing to show to a customer. It's like, mm. that's what I mean by like, do the, do the extra work, you know, do the extra stuff. Right. That stuff doesn't go unnoticed for sure. And I guess when you were doing that, you weren't thinking about product transition. You were just kind of doing it because you were genuinely interested in like the customer side of things. Yeah, I had no intentions of going to product at that point. Like I was, right. I just thought it was an opportunity that it was an opportunity to just like do something cool. Like it's, I feel like that's what it comes down to is like my transition to product wasn't forced because I kind of naturally gravitated towards doing that. Like I was, I was already doing extra little things on the side, like little dashboards, little things here and there that was just right. 
it's just it, it, it even it made BD and sales's job easier. And then you know, so then when when the case of like should Paul do product came to light, I think it was easier for them to just back me up. Huh, that's cool. And I think you had like the technical chops. You understood the ops. You understood the business. And then I think that the last piece was like customer understanding, which I think rounds you out pretty well as a product manager for, for B2B at least, like helping drive sales. Um, right. So that's that's super cool that you did that. Uh, and congrats on transitioning to the role through hard work. <laughs> well, thank you. I feel like there, <laughs> there there was still, I mean, now I've been in the role for four months, right? Um, and I think I know where I have to go and learn more. You know, there's like, right. as I said, right, I was like, you say well-rounded. I think I wouldn't even say that I'm well-rounded yet. Like I, I, I have the capabilities of being well-rounded. I think um, I come from an engineering background. I did have some experience in the startup realm. I can't say it was much, but it was enough for me to, you know, get going. The places that I felt like I really lacked in terms of knowledge and that I'm really starting to grasp is everything around like market finance to a certain extent those those i mean it's it's a jargon to, to be honest but it's yeah getting that jargon it just comes with time like either you have a background in finance or in marketing or whatever and so you right. just have that stuff immediately or you right. slowly develop it over time by being in this role you're essentially talking about like the business chops that like the commerce students or the mbas have over you for when Correct. they become product managers right yeah, yeah that's like that's like the that's like the conversation that people say a lot, like the business people need technical chops and the technical operations people need like business chops. Right. When you're PM, you kind of need to have like a wide range of all of those. So I want to dive into that a little bit more. What are your responsibilities on a day-to-day and why do you think those gaps in marketing or finance are gaps? Yeah. So, okay. What do I do on a day-to-day right now? It's a mix. It's a mixed bag of defining product at Kepler in general. So that's, you know, that goes beyond just the current product that we have, but it's like, how do we want to manage products? There's like so many ways of doing it. And so finding the right fit. And I think one of the things that I've learned over the last four months is like, you can read up about a lot of stuff with products, but if you try to, if you try to read something and implement it immediately, because it's just like, this is what product managers do, like you fall <laughs> flat on your face. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like, there's this feeling of like this, you know, product jargon, which is useful, but sometimes it's like, well, am I just slapping a framework on this because you know for the sake of slapping a framework on it right 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 um and so you need to think critically about like well what 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 makes sense for this particular product for this particular company and i love that like i think that's Mm. that is one of the coolest part of products that i don't i don't know if it's talked about enough but it's just like you know product management depending on the company you work for can mean completely different things like it depends Mm -hmm. on the product that you're selling it depends on the, the company that you're in the culture and yeah, like there are some common denominators, but I feel like that was one of my learnings for the last four months. Like, don't try to slap random frameworks on mm. <laughs> on the product because it's it might not fit right. So, so right now I'm I'm defining product Kepler, and then I'm also uh, doing feature prioritization. Yeah, and, and kind of choosing the vision for the product, like where we want to go with it, who we want to sell to, mm. what we want to focus on, all this kind of stuff. And I guess part of defining the product at Kepler and who you want to sell to needs like how you want to package it from a marketing perspective, how you want to project like financials, like revenue streams from like different venues. And that's kind of all your responsibility or you have like counterparts to work with that. I mean, I have counterparts to work with for sure. But, but what you just said is 
very true. Like, you know, at some point I looked at the product and I was like, okay, I think we need to do a full product analysis. Like we need to mm. analyze everything from like the cost, the price, the packaging, mm. the, the marketing, the finance, all, all of those things, um, you know, do those grandiose like BCG matrix and all, all that crap. Right. <laughs> um, and I did it and it was, it was, it was a great learning lesson, but it took me two weeks to do a full on analysis. And that's because a lot of times I was like, okay, I need to look at, I need to understand marketing. And it's like, all right, well, now I need to go and learn all of these different terms in order to, in order for me to even read a, um, a market overview, you know, done by some sort of like consulting company. For me to even understand yeah. it and, and to totally appreciate it, I need to go understand the wordings. And so that's when you need to go and strive, go, go the extra mile and go learn all this stuff. And that's what I meant by, that's what I needed to learn when I got into product. Okay. Okay. A lot of your learning sounds like it's just like hands-on, like you go and get it done, which is sick. I mean, it has advantages and disadvantages, I would say. Like it, it is great. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's sick to, to be totally free and, and go and learn this shit. Like it's, it's great. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's like learning by doing, which is really my, my philosophy behind learning. It's how I learn personally. Like I need to go get my hands dirty and, and just, just go do it um and so for yeah. sure and i you know props to kepler for allowing me to do that and experimenting with that like that's huge on them to even trust me with with this responsibility is it's, it's a great feeling now sometimes i feel like i could use some guidance from somebody that has many years of experience i mean we've talked about this richard right like mm -hmm. I've, I've reached mm -hmm. out to you and, and i've asked for hey like a few little things and, and you did unlock me in, in some ways where i was like stuck on a on a mindset and you know what how do you move from here you know and it's like you need sometimes that one person that mm. it's even a sometimes even a sentence can make all the difference you know it's like oh mm. shit that's a different way of thinking that i didn't think of you know right right so yeah talking to your friends or like getting mentors in the space that would be helpful for you as well especially yeah, I as mean, like the first product person right it's like that capability of sitting around a table and whiteboarding like even just doing that with another product focus feels great you know Right, right. So, okay, it sounds like a lot of your time is like on product strategy right now, which is like, which direction should we move in? What are like the total addressable markets? Like what percentage penetration can we get? Who are the competitors? Like all that stuff. Um, how much of your day-to-day -day is working with engineers and actually executing? Uh, the majority. The majority? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so of, of the work day when the engineers are, are like in the office, I would say it's like probably like 80... 80, 85%, maybe 90% of my days with engineers. And do you um, feel like because you know the operation side of things and you have an engineering background that that part is like more seamless and smooth for you or are there different challenges there as well? Yeah, no, that part is definitely more seamless. Like I think when I started in product, I like spent some time creating a master plan and my master mm. plan was phase one, get tight with the engineers because this is very a very <laughs> a very technical product like let me tell you it's not just like an app that you just put together and then you add these little features here and there and you release whatever the customer wants and you know it's no it's like we're i mean, I mean we're launching shit to space and delivering a, a service to people right. around the globe in like remote locations that don't always have internet like it's a complicated technical project and, and, and pro product. And so I spent like my phase one of, of my master plan was get tight with the engineers, um, understand the, pro the product from a technical perspective, understand the bottlenecks 
and mm. and then and then the phase two is align technical with strategy and i felt like mm. what technical was often complaining about was like i can't seem to connect what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis with the why like mm. why are we doing it why are we right. why are we why are we building this one thing for this one feature for this one customer like what's the reasoning what is it going to unlock and so i my phase two is like being the being that link like mm. you know and now that i'm tight with the engineers it's like well why why are we doing this and there's like all this frustration built up and like well we're doing it for this exact this these are the exact reasons why we're doing it from a strategic end. and then it's like oh thanks and then it's like they go, <laughs> they, they go back to it you know it's like that really right right actually dude i actually think you have it exactly on the ball exactly on the money there and i think one of the most underrated things about being a product manager is you need to gain the trust of your team first and when i say your team i don't mean your stakeholders i mean the team that you work day to day with or your engineers and your designers um and to gain trust you need to have an understanding of the product and know that like you're not just gonna make some bullshit business strategy that aligns with like what you can what you guys can actually execute on so i, I think the steps you took are, are exactly right gaining trust in engineers understanding the ins and outs of the product from a technical perspective um, and then tying that to the strategy. I've seen a lot of product managers come into a role and like, you know, not really understand the technicals or like how the, the, the product works mm. um, and kind of just create a vision that might not be able to not, might not be realistic in terms of execution and they lack the trust of engineers and it's hard for them to inspire the engineers because they don't have that trust first and foremost. Right. Um, so that leads to like many things, whether it's like, um, an incomplete product, lack of inspiration, or just literally attrition for your engineers to, to leave, right. to go to other places. I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny that I'm, I'm just going to touch on a point you just said there is like inspire your engineers. That's something that mm-hmm. I find very challenging. Like it's mm-hmm. one thing to be tight with your engineering team and it's one thing to be able to connect the why. And they, they certainly appreciate that. Like all the engineers that I work with, that's what they, that's what they thank me for is like, Oh, thank you. Like I, I now understand why I'm working on something, mm-hmm. but, but sometimes, especially in a startup and when you're trying to do something as complicated as what Kepler's trying to do, there are times where like there's a lack of motivation and, and, and it's not, it's not that the engineers don't want to do it. It's that it's like, oh, man, this is a lot. This is a lot of shit. And sometimes yeah. shit hits the fan and it's like, you need to somehow inspire. And I yeah. feel like that, that inspiration is almost like an innate gift. Mm. And I'm not sure mm. I have that yet. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, like it's, I'd love to be able to say that I do. Um, yeah. And it's one thing to say like, go team, go like, yeah, you know, let's you know, I'll sit with you till midnight if that's what it takes, and you know, that's one thing. But sometimes you need you need like a charismatic leader that just mm. like sees past that just like let's get it done and inspires right. at a level that's like you know, different. Right. I think okay. I think first of all, charismatic can be built, um, and I think second to touch on that point a little bit more. You being a product manager is like a very emotionally draining part because. When the team is down, you can't be down with them. You have to be there to uplift their spirits. That's something you can work on. And then the last thing I'll say is that I think everyone is inspired by different things. Like, yes, everybody's inspired by the why, but some engineers are inspired by doing something technically challenging. Some engineers are um, inspired by having a really solid architecture and like really good syntax. And then some like want to even contribute like product ideas. So I think having an individual understanding rather than a collective understanding of the team on like what sparks each of them individually, I think that is important for you as a product manager 
Um, obviously it's exhausting and it's kind of tough, but that that's kind of part of the job. Right. But yeah, just to go back to the emotional exhaustion part, like who's going to be there to inspire you? Cause you're the only product manager. Well, it should be your leadership, but I think you need to have like a really high tolerance for emotional exhaustion and just things like that. And at the end of the day, you might feel more drained, but to me, like that's something I struggle with right now too. And I think I've kind of accepted it as like a part of product management. And I think I do a lot of things outside of work to try to balance that exhaustion, mm. like that emotional exhaustion, whether it's like meditating or working out or going for runs or like journaling mm. or some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think what's been actually funny enough, what's been kind of keeping me even keeled to a certain extent is um, like I've been reading a little bit more, uh, you know, not necessarily things that are like product related, just interesting stories. And I recommend it. It's uh currently reading the book on on uh like that barack, barack obama uh wrote and mm. it's it's inspiring as hell like that's a guy that i feel like was, is able to inspire the mass <laughs> <laughs> you know not to yeah. say that i'm trying to i'm trying to emulate what what he's doing here but certainly yeah. reading on on the way he inspires people is is inspiring <laughs> that's and, actually a sick call, call out because I think Barack Obama is like one of the most like charismatic presidents I've seen. Like he's got so much swagger. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's he wasn't born like that. I'm sure he had to like do tactical things to become the way he is. So that's a that's a good recommendation. Have you applied some of the like? What are some key takeaways from the book so far? You know how I said that like phase one is like understanding the people, mm. like understanding the engineers behind the the product. That's mm-hmm. it's directly from like I mean the way he the reason he got put into the position he got put in is because people could relate to him and, and he, and he really went into communities. I mean, that's where his background before presidency was like, you know, in Chicago and going and like helping out specific communities and connecting with people. So I think that I took that from it and just, you know, even just reading his speeches, like the way he talks about a specific issue and the way that they're going to tackle it, it's, it's on the emotional side. It's not on the, it's not on the practical. Like, for example, if I go mm. see a, if I go see my, my product or like, sorry, my engineering team, I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And this is how it is because this is what the strategy is. And this is what the market mm-hmm. needs. Like, let's go mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. That's practical. Emotional is like, here's, you know, here's, here's how I feel with the product right now. And this is what customers are saying as well. And this is, and, and I feel like they're right about that. Like, what do you think? You know, and it's like mm-hmm. a technical person sometimes, I and mean, some, some of them don't even want to talk about it. And that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. others are like, they actually have opinion. They're like, well, yeah, like mm-hmm. what's lacking is this and this and this and this. And I'm like, oh, I totally relate with that. Like, it's, it's mm-hmm. so true. Like, how, how are we going to tackle that? And it's like empowering right. your engineers to think, actually empowering your engineers to think product, even if they're not, you know, product managers is so that's huge. Helpful. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm reading this book called inspired by Marty Kagan. And like, he talks about, you should read it as your product or it gets bigger. Maybe not right now, but uh, he talk he talks about maybe not too relevant for you right now, but he talks about how and like engineers, like come up with the best ideas because they execute on the product data. Like they know the product better than anyone else. Exactly. Like yeah. down to every detail and they come up with the best ideas. Um, so it's really important to loop them into like earlier conversations of your product discovery. That's like the right. key takeaway of that book. I, but I, you know, I, I, I relate to that so much. Like it's, it's, I can, I can visually see it when an engineer is like not brought into the loop 
and then there's a decision that's been made on the product by somebody that is not as close to the product as they think they are. Like they're close mm-hmm. to the strategy, but they're not close to the execution. Mm-hmm, and sometimes mm-hmm. those two are like fundamentally different, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, I, I go see an engineer and it's like, I mean, we have a long chat and by the end of it, I'm like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> they, they know, they know so much about this thing and like the capabilities of it. Like sometimes it's like, I mean, I'm ranting here, but it's like, how are you supposed to know how far your product can push if you're not in tune with it from a technical mm. basis? That's you know, right. like I, That's can, right. I can tell you it's like, yeah, I want the product to do that, but you might, if you're not close to the product, like from the engineering side, you might not even know what the product's capable of. Right. A good example is it's like, okay, I want you to, I want this feature that measures this one thing for the customer. And yeah. so here are the few requirements, you know, and it's like engineer executes on that, takes them a week and we're happy because it's like features done. Yeah. And then when I have a longer chat with the engineer, they're like, it's funny you guys asked me to do this this way. Cause like, there's like this way and this way and that way. Right. Yeah. And, and there's like, like all these things it. about the API that you didn't even know about. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, damn it. Like, Facts. why didn't, you know, like, why didn't you speak up? And it's like, well, I wasn't asked to speak up. I just right. asked to execute. And it's like, Shit. right let's not make that mistake again. <laughs> That's facts. That's facts. Yeah. I like that mentality a lot. It sounds like you're like getting a really good hang, especially on the execution piece. Um, mm. So like, what do you think are like the next things that you need to work on? Um, I think you mentioned marketing, you mentioned finance, like what other things do you struggle with as a product manager today? All right, here, I'm going to use a technical analogy. Ready? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, you know, sampling frequency is a big thing in engineering because mm-hmm. if you if you sample very very fast, you get a lot of data points, and, and that can be good, it can be bad. But the reality is, sometimes your sampling rate it's so it's, it's so unfortunate. Like the, the sampling rate is so poorly designed that you're only sampling, for example, at a high at a high signal. So you're always like, yeah, the, the, it's working great. But the reality right. is, is, is like if you increase sampling frequency, you're not only going to get the high, you're, you're maybe going to get the low of that sine wave. Like you're going to get the parts that aren't peak, you know? Right. And so I think my, like my, the, the one thing I think I need to work on is I tend to sample and that sample is a specific time where, you know, it's a specific moment in time for the product. And I extrapolate from that sample. Mm. and and then i'm like well I, you know based on this conversation i had and then it's like we need to do all these things and it's like well before you say that sample increase your frequency like increase your sampling frequency basically you see, need more data points from your customers data right? points from customers but also from in, from the team in, in, internally like i hear uh, one person saying one thing and it's like great like okay i i totally see what you're saying so for example an engineer you go talk to them and like, this is, these are all the problems like and it's like, great. So I'm going to go execute on all that. And it's like, well, before you execute, let's, let's get a little bit more insight. Let's go talk to other engineers. Does everybody feel this way? Um, sometimes it can just be one person and it just it requires a conversation. So I guess my long-winded way of saying that, be it with customers or be it internally, like not extrapolating, you know, sometimes you get stuck in the go, 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 keep doing, keep doing, execute, execute, execute. You don't stop and sample more often you know and get more more data points to to understand better why you're doing something Hmm. that's an interesting challenge so i guess your your solution to that is to just have more conversations and get a bigger picture 
more conversations, but also just not to extrapolate from single conversations. Right. Like got it's, it, got it's, it. it's the extrapolation that is the problem, right? You extrapolate from a data point that was sampled at a specific point in time. That isn't a representation of the situation. It's a representation of that moment in time, like mm. that exact point in time. Mm. Cool. So you've been a PM for four months now. I want to hear about like, how do you like it so far? Are you happy? And where do you see yourself going in your career in the next two to three years? Hmm. So yeah, I love the job. I think it's super challenging. I think the reason why I like it right now is because, because I, I strive with like undefined tasks. I love the mm. feeling of like not having a clear cut. This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that's not everybody's thing, but yeah. I, I really, I really do strive on that. So, so I think right now I love it. Like I love product because of how undefined it is at Kepler. Like the, the, the small concern I have is that the moment we do define it, the moment the processes are, are put in place and everything's rolling and humming, I'm going to get bored. And it might not be, that might not be true at all, but that is a concern that I have. Um, mm-hmm. So right now, you know, I love it. I love the ambiguity. Um, I love defining the processes. I love defining the product. Where I see myself growing in the next year, two years, I think it's like I want to keep um, I want to keep exploring those little those little niche things to work on that you don't know you need to work on them until you've gotten your hands dirty. So what mm-hmm. I just told you about extrapolating is like I would have never mm-hmm. thought of that if it weren't for having gotten my hands dirty in the product. So I can't even tell you what, I, what I'm going to need to work on in a year from now because, mm-hmm. you know, the landscape is constantly changing. Um, one thing I almost got caught into is like this idea of like doing product specific courses. Honestly, I did a few and, I'm, and I'm, I regret doing that. <laughs> it's kind of bullshitty, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that thing I told you, like slapping a framework to a product even mm-hmm. though it's not the right one is I feel like uh, those courses, like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying not to do it. I'm saying like, be very cautious on like what you take from those classes and apply to the right. product that you're managing. Right. Like I, I, so I, so the reason I bring that up is because I, you know, my traditional answer would have been not that long ago. Well, I want to take more classes on product and I want to learn more of the, of the product jargon. I'm not so mm. sure about that anymore. Like I think mm. it's, I want to go learn finance. I'm going to go to learn finance through either directly talking with my CFO and having conversations or yeah, I can go take a small course on finance specifically, but product classes, it's like kind of bullshit. Yeah. That that's a good fucking point. Cause there's no such thing as product. There's finance uh, product is a combination of so many different things and you want to exactly. learn each of those verticals. There's no, like I want to learn products. And I, I think a lot of those product courses are like, their intention, I think, might be pretty good, but it's just it's difficult to apply it. And I think you're probably better off, like one, having conversations with different people in your own company, two, like talking to product managers so you can like hear one to one like how they're applying things, and three, like you said, like taking specific courses on finance or marketing or engineering, etc. Yeah, just get your hands dirty. Like I think that's my message. Just like yeah. go and do it. If, if you, I mean, look, if yeah. you if you're in a product role, then just. I would say get your hands dirty. You don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't don't be afraid to have a one-on-one with somebody that's more senior that might know about you know finance mm. or marketing or whatever. Like, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. But if you're not in a product role yet and you're like, I want to, I want to be able to put in my CV that I know product. I think that you're going about it the wrong way. Yeah. Like right. I don't think I don't think you should go and do product courses. Like 
and and then put that on your CV and like say I'm ready to go do product. I think that's a mistake. Yeah, I back that a lot. And for the most people, for most people that like transition, they don't transition because they took a product course. They transition because they have this one knowledge of this one domain. Like for you, it was like operations, satellite operations. For other people, it might be like payments or fraud or whatever. Mm-hmm. Having that knowledge of that one domain that can be applied in product, and then learning the rest when you transition. Uh, well, yo, do you have any any other comments or words you want to share with the homies listening to this podcast? Any advice you want to give before we uh, close out this conversation? <laughs> one, I would say the only the main advice I have, like I, I just said, you know, get your hands dirty. I think that's a good one, but I think try not to. I feel like I'm like a dad giving advice to a kid. It's like, <laughs> it's like, don't, sometimes you get tunnel visioned into what you want so badly. You're like, I want to do product so badly. I'm only going to learn about product. Okay, I want to mm. learn product. I want to get into product. And it's like, dude, like go and read cool shit <laughs> yeah. and, and apply that to your life. And, and yeah, like you'll get into the role that you want. An example of that is like go read go read Barack Obama's book because it's going to teach mm. you a bit more about about a way of being about a way of thinking. It's not it's not by reading some specific book on product or like the five ways of being a product manager. Or the here are like here are four four courses that you'll take and you'll become product mm. manager in a year, twenty four months, you're good to go. Like or whatever. It's like uh, okay, just go go read cool shit and and because they interest you not because you feel like tunnel vision into I want to do product for the sake of doing product. Facts. I think that's a really good tip. And uh, I think we can we can end it at that one. That was a very powerful message. Thank you, Paul, for coming on the show. And sounds like you're already doing a great job. And you're already a lit PM and hope to have you back on the show when you're an even litter. PM. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. But thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been great. Hey, y'all made it through the episode. Appreciate y'all for tuning into this episode of lit PM. If you have any tech or product management topics that you'd like us to chat about, please feel free to hit us up on IG at the lit PM. Until next time, y'all.